there's one I've maintained with it often because um, it, it's been recorded. Uh, Alice has recorded it in the studio. But perhaps with her permission, I can sing it once, please. Eh? Just once. It's okay. She's not here. Praise the Lord. Just one, then I'll preach. Is that okay? I usually sing it in positive four. So you know these things. You know it? I wrote this song. Uh, it took me about 10 minutes to write. I've got a tradition. Every birthday, I need to write a song. Now, imagine it reached 2350, the song wasn't coming. I was trying melodies, nothing was working. Then I began to write. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just, you'll permit me, it's anniversary soon. So, I can, I can, I can sing a, a few more songs than usual. Eh? Okay, let me hear it. I wrote the Bem Row. You gave your life for me as an offering. You shed your blood for me, my Lord. I give you praise. You gave your life for me. Dun, dun, dun. As an offering. Dun, 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 dun. You share your blood for me. My Lord, I give you praise. You're the gift that keeps on giving, the hand that keeps on stretching, the voice that keeps on speaking, mighty words of life. You're the ear that keeps on hearing, the heart that keeps on loving and in every situation we are the ever present one when it's wabawumichila ukupila kwenu Tata, twa imya mauku, twa misumbula, bantu imwe.
transpose go up by two go up by two come on just lift your hands not much drums everything quiet for a minute just just, just give me a minute thank you oh you're the gift that gives on giving the hand that keeps on stretching you're the voice that keeps on speaking those mighty words of love you're the ear that keeps on hearing the heart that keeps on loving in every situation lord you're the ever present one you're the gift that keeps on giving the hand that keeps on stretching you're that voice in me that keeps on speaking mighty words of love you're the ear that always hears me you're the hand that always feeds me and every situation i've been in you've been right by my side you're the ear that always hears me the hand that always fits me and every situation lord you've been right by my side even when i've walked through the fire not been burnt and when I've walked through those waters I have not been swept away and when I felt like hope was lost I remembered what you said that though the winds and waves come crashing you'd be right by my side you've been right by my side right from the beginning lord right from the beginning lord you've been right by my side you're the gift that keeps on giving the hand that keeps on stretching you're the voice that keeps on speaking mighty words of love and the ear that keeps on hearing and where else can we go lord and the gift that keeps on giving you are the pocket that keeps on paying an honor to serve you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, for two years. This is to a hundred more. Until Jesus comes, Lord, until Jesus comes. Amen. Let's go to the scriptures before I don't teach. Now, little different 
because of the the style I'm using today, it's a little different from the usual teaching. So we enjoy it. I should have sung that song at the end, eh? It just it's just ringing in my heart. So since you guys can see the projector, I'll spend most of my time this side today. That's fine. No, I'll walk there. You know, I always do my routine checks on who's here. Hallelujah. Glory. For you are glorious. Please give me a scripture. Any. Let's put any. I'll teach about it. The Lamb upon the throne. As you know, we're in the Mountain of God series, and we've been talking about Revelation. And we've been talking about, last week we talked about epignosis. If you are not there, I honestly can't do a recap. You have to listen to it. The sermons are available. Because to do a recap, I'll have to teach for at least an hour. But generally, we recognize epignosis as full discernment. We recognize it as revelation. It's where you have intimate knowledge. And the Bible tells us that God desires for all men to be saved and come to the epignosis of the truth. Now, the word epignosis only becomes relevant when you recognize that in the Greek, what we see in English as knowledge in the Greek has got... So, in English, we are acquainted with knowledge, which comes from the Greek word gnosis, which is where we get diagnosis. And that knowledge deals with facts. But then there's a prayer that was made. And that, the prayer that was made is that the church should come to, should have the spirit of epignosis, should have the spirit of revelation and knowledge. If we were doing a Greek class, I'd have said the spirit of apocalypsis and epignosis in the Sophia of him. But that's not what we're dealing with. So we're talking about the spirit. <laughs> you know, I, I can't wait for a day when we'll do all those because all those are important. For example, wisdom. There are different Greek words for wisdom. We are not going there yet. Hallelujah. Let's hope you don't bring this into your tongue's language. Everybody speaking tongues. Let's hear someone. Apocalypsis, epignosis. I heard about a certain intercessor. Yeah? Came in front of the church. Lift up your hands. Today we are going to pray for open doors. Do, 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 do. <laughs> now we are going to pray for cars in this church. Ka, 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 ka. Hallelujah. The <laughs> keeps on speaking. Now, one way in which we, we, we looked at the ways revelation comes, right? We talked about how it comes as you study the word. 
We talked about how it comes as you're praying. Now, one way in which revelation comes is by divine encounters. And today, I'll be giving an example of that because there's an encounter I'm going to be sharing with you. Amen. And it's more angelic in nature. So, as you know, it is something that I love. It's being absolutely scriptural. So for me, if I have a divine encounter, I'll search the scriptures and see, is it possible? I, I read the scripture that I read this uh, two years ago in Kenya. I was upstairs in my study. When you're in a foreign country, you've got no choice but to pray and study the word. You, there's no more to go and chill. You think you would just start off at I've gone to the mall, which you don't know where it is. No choice. Worse off, you're on an 18-hour flight. You pray for everyone you know. I remember one time, I think I was in Kenya. My flight was at 05. I was at the airport at 19. And by then, I wasn't so knowledgeable, so I didn't want to go outside the airport. So I didn't even have supper. Then from 19, and they didn't allow us to check in until 02. I think I prayed for people that day. I think the guards were just wondering, who is this guy? I kept walking around. Lord, I pray for that one. Pray for them again. So, <laughs> Being a pastor, it's interesting. You, you, you realize you become a very... Uh, how can I put it? Uh, I remember the first time I went to South Africa. The first thing I bought at the airport, Bibles. I bought like five. Then I'm seated there, and I think I had a meal. And you know, it's only courtesy to give a tip, except if you go to which country is that? Japan. It's considered an insult. So don't do that there. So the waitress comes after they've served me well. Instead of adding money, guess what I gave her? A Bible. How else was she going to know that today I saved a busa? How they doing? <laughs> On my way back, Bibles. I don't know where they all are. I think I distributed them. How many of you received? Okay, some of you received. Okay, so the book of Acts. There is something that I found interesting about the way the early church would relate with God. Firstly, the aspect of angels was very common. Acts chapter 8, verse 26. I want you to see this. I recognize this, like I said, in my study, I think two, three years ago when I was in Kenya. And it, 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 I found it interesting. It says, now an angel of the Lord, Acts 8, verse 26. You can open your Bible. Acts 8, 26. Vulani Bible, whether it's on the phone, whether it's on the tablet, Vulani Bible. If you don't have one, turn to your neighbor's Bible. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Neighbor, thou shalt not withhold your Bible from your neighbor. Now, an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Who spoke to Philip at this point? Arise and go towards the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. That's Acts 8 verse 1. No, Acts 8 26. 
then verse 29 same same experience then the spirit said to philip i seen that from an angel to the spirit in the same packet uh-huh if you keep reading you notice he was led and he begins to explain the scriptures and then after he was done look at verse 39 Verse 39. Now when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord caught Philip away such that the eunuch saw him no more. The guy disappeared. What, what kind of life was he living? He could go from an angel to the Holy Spirit to being caught away. So like I said, one way revelation comes is through divine encounters. And I can prove it to you. Romans 12 verse ah, first, 2 Corinthians 12 verse 2. The Bible says, uh-huh, I know of a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body I do not know, whether out of the body I do not know, God knows, such a one was caught up to the third heaven. So this guy was caught up to the third heaven. Uh-huh, let's go on. And I know such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. The encounter was so glorious. He didn't know whether he came out of his body or whether he was still in it. Uh huh. And he was caught up into paradise. He heard inexpressible words which it is not lawful for him to utter. Shows you something about where paradise is. Eh? He was caught up to the third heaven and then he was caught up. Okay, let's go on. Someone is wondering, third heaven? Yes. There is the atmospheric heaven, which is the one you look at. He looked up to the heavens. And then the Bible shows us of heavenly places. Have you noticed where spiritual warfare is done? It talks about heavenly places. Then we've got this. Uh-huh. Of such a one, I will, I will boast. Yet of myself, I will not boast except in my infirmities. I want you to see something. Uh-huh. Keep going. There's, there's a word I want you to see. And then he's talking about himself. And here is proof that that encounter brought about revelations. And least I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations. And he starts talking about the thorn in the flesh. So there was an abundance of revelation that the Apostle Paul had. In case you wanted to know, Paul's gospel came by revelation. It came by revelation. So there is revelation where you have a divine encounter with God. Other proof that an encounter with God leads to revelation is the book of Revelations. Who was mostly with John? Wasn't it the angel? Have we read the book of Revelations? Who was mostly with John? An angel. Have we read the book of Revelations? This section, you know what? I'm disappearing. (laughs) So John was mainly with an angel and so I asked the Lord whether I should share this and he permitted, so I will share. So my teaching today is I'll be narrating an experience I had and there were many lessons that came out of it. <sighs> and at this period we're about to hit second anniversary. This is a message from the Lord to us. Before this, about two weeks ago, 
my good friend, Pastor Daniel, had a dream. And God was telling him there was going to be an increase in revelation on my life. It even came with a warning, which I should warn you as well. And so it came with a warning. It says, just don't look down on others. Usually many people who come from ministries where there is a high level of revelation when it comes to teaching, if you are not careful, the knowledge can puff you up and you can end up becoming a spiritual bully and looking down on everyone else who may not have reached the height of the mountain that you've reached. You understand so because in this series we're dealing with the mountain of God. I'm just putting things in order before we can go to it. I'll give you an example. Um, you know how there are some songs we don't sing, right? And there are some songs we don't sing because we don't agree with the message, right? And I, I genuinely believe some of those songs were being written with a genuine love for God, perhaps just not yet at the level of the mountain. Now, there are certain things I can talk about here because you're my church. Now, you, you're invited as a guest youth speaker. And the first thing you do is blast their favorite song as a church. You go there. Some of you here. You even, <laughs> let's all sing this song. When everyone is in the middle of singing it, you say, wrong song. They are not, they are not, you don't have apostolic authority over them. So don't let this knowledge puff you up such that instead of being a blessing to others. So meaning there are times even when you know slightly better, just keep quiet and also allow other people to bless you. They may know something you don't. Is the one in taken. However, that doesn't mean that we are just going to accept everything in here. Because our assignment is different. Remember, I explained to you, I think last year in a teaching on church culture, I explained why churches can be from the same God but can have different assignments. And I gave you an example of the book of Revelations where each church was judged according to their works, according to the area they were in. It's interesting, in the dispensation of grace, each church was judged by their works. And there's a church that God wrote to. And in, to that church, the Bible says, um, I know your works. That's the, let me just show you, just for the sake of someone who may not know. There's something God said to that church that's interesting. It's interesting that God wrote to churches differently, and yet it's one body of Christ. And that, that, those were words of Jesus. And if you read Revelations 2 verse 12, I'll just, I'll need like a full two, three hours to teach this properly. Just, just, just for your mind. So that you understand why a message was brought. Revelations 2 verse 12. And to the angel of the church in Pergamos. Now, when it says the angel, the word for angel and messenger is the same. So it's not that there was like this angel running the church. It was a messenger who was running the church. So meaning, it's almost as if you're saying the pastor of that church write this. The pastor of this church write this. Because it was the messenger of the church. Haven't you noticed there are some times where people are introducing the pastor. They say the angel of the house. They don't necessarily mean like he's an angel. No. They, they mean messenger. For me, please call me the pastor. Eh? Hallelujah. <laughs> Glory to God. Uh -huh. Now, 
to the angel of the church at Pegamos right. Now, I want you to notice this. When John saw Jesus, he had a full revelation of him. He had a revelation of the one who holds the seven stars, the one with fire in his eyes, the one with um, feet of brass, the one with a sword coming out of his mouth. That's why in spiritual warfare, what's our greatest weapon? The sword of the spirit. And where does it come out of? Our mouth. I hope you're following. I hope I've not lost anyone here. But to that specific church, look at what he says. These things says he who has the sharp two-edged sword. Wait there. It means this church, as much as they appreciated Jesus having eyes of fire and feet of brass, there is a way they concentrated on the Jesus who's got a sharp two-edged sword. And there's a reason why. Look at the next verse. I know your works and where you dwell, you do. And where you dwell is where Satan's throne is. It means these guys, where they were living, there was a lot of demonic activity. They had lot, I'm telling you. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if almost every sermon was that which must die. It means the emphasis of this ministry was going to have, was going to, have to be that. That's why for them, the Jesus they knew is the one for a sharp two-edged sword. You know, I was watching a preacher from America and he was preaching. You know, some people busy concentrating on spiritual warfare, spiritual warfare. You know, all you have to do is just worship. Just turn on the light. I said, not in Africa. <laughs> African demons. They will sing with you. Then some, of course, <laughs> you go to places. Then you find, you, you start a deliverance session. The one who was leading praise and worship Number one, <laughs> I said, not in Africa. You can't survive as an African preacher not knowing how to deal with devils. African preacher, you have to deal with demons. Ah, but Pastor Daniel made me laugh. He was telling me how he found his ushering department had bought things. Guess what they bought? Buckets. He was like, how do they see me? <laughs> but deliverance, fulu fulu. Imagine your ushering team goes to buy buckets for the service because things have been happening. I'm telling you, you can't survive without deliverance. You, you can't survive in Africa as a preacher. You don't know how to do that. And you know what's interesting? In the West, it's worse. You need a serious deliverance ministry because for them, the demonic spirits have invaded their system such that they can't even see it. Demons can instruct pastors what to preach about. They can tell them this, you know, as a church now, you endorse homosexuality. That's the, the kind of deliverance sessions we're going to have in Europe. <laughs> Hallelujah. So you'll find this church, because of the revelation of the ministry, because of the vision of the ministry, there is a way they were expected to be. But you know something? People were going to receive a reward or a punishment based on whether the church fulfilled its assignment or not. I was talking to a man of God. He's probably watching. Uh, he's an evangelist. And he was telling me how for him, he feels a specific assignment to the rural areas. That's a specific assignment. And it's an evangelistic one. So you'll find the criteria used to judge him and the criteria used to judge me might be different. Okay. Somebody say glory. So to the messenger, the church of city of the Lord, 
something was given. So this is what happened. On the specifically specifically on the 9th of August. Okay. So specifically on the 9th of August, can I have four people from the arts? Any four people from the arts? Okay, no, but I'll need four. Yeah. <laughs> so you stand there. And then no, stand there, stand together. That's what I need. You will say this at once. You'll face me. Oh, for those who are new, welcome to the city of the Lord Church. This part. Hallelujah. now uh, no music whatsoever until I get something. So no no keyboard. No. And also uh, well in advance avoid movements. Apart from that I'm sure you can see the signs on the wall. If you not put your phone on silent please do so. Please do so. I don't want it to ring at the wrong time. You'll face me. So this is what happened. Uh I heard voices. There are some people that usually come to work at home and I could hear them both. And they were talking. And so I decided to go outside and check. I didn't know I was in a vision. So whether in the body or out of the body, I don't know. And I go and I find four people standing. And so I reached. Then at the same time, they all said... That's how it was. You want them to repeat it? Maybe with a mic. So you get to understand. This is how it was. Okay. So like I said, I walked there and I found four people. But where they looked like people. So for a while, I was lost because they looked exactly like people. And so I reached, and then they said at the same time, We, we have come, come with good tidings. We, we have been sent by the Lord to bring the word of the Lord to you. Wait, I'm like, this is getting serious. And the first thing that happened is, you know where I know, like, I'm dealing with people and, and the like, but then my, like, you know where you just find yourself <laughs> wobbling, going on your knees? I went on my knees and I'm being given a look of you're kneeling for us and you know you're embarrassed. Like, <laughs> and uh, they began to speak one by one. 
and each of the messages is important. But the first part which surprised me is that they looked so happy to see me. They looked, you know the way, do you know the way people look? You know the way people look when they see someone they really admire? That's the way they looked. They looked happy to see me, like, like wow, we've been sent to you, like, amazing. And, you know, you know this stuff because when you've studied the scriptures, you know the Bible says that angels long to look into these things. You know the Bible says that we've been made a public, we've become a spectacle before men and angels. In short, some of you are the angels' favorite movie. Some more than others. Hallelujah. <laughs> but can you imagine? They were so excited. because Do you remember when John tried to kneel before the angel? And the angel said, ah, I'm a fellow servant. So they were sent with a specific message. And they began to speak in turn. You may take your seats. So they began to speak in turn. And this is what happened. The first one had the following words to say. This is the prophetic message for the ministry. And one was like the leader. I, I, one day I'll teach maybe a bit on angels. You can't ignore them, can you? And the first one comes to me and says, my area of speciality is numbers. That's what he says. My area of speciality is numbers. And he says, many people have been asking for me. But there's a reason I've been sent to you. Because your heart has been tested and you genuinely want everyone to grow, to be quality Christians and to have the word of God. But I'm and I was just thinking, I'm like, okay. Numbers, yes. So, in short, God takes note of numbers. The early church did head counts. You know how we know? Because we know how many people were praying on the day the Holy Spirit came. We know that there were 120. Remember when Paul is writing that at some point Jesus appeared to over 500 brethren at once. How did they know? They counted. And we also know because there's a book called Numbers. And the emphasis was the following scriptures. Then I was given one, I was told, if you want my operation to be effective, we are requesting that you pray one hour a day. I was shocked, I was expecting four.
we are going somewhere. Oh, unfortunately, today it's not baby stuff, eh? That showed me something. Let me show you a scripture or two to support this. John 11, verse 52. The season of the harvest as a church, as a the city of the Lord Church, and the Bible says, and not for that nation only, but also that He would gather together in one the children of God who were scattered abroad. Can you imagine how many of how many people God has set apart? How many people who've got? special callings, how many people who've got an assignment to deal with the seven mountains of influence, which we'll be dealing with, by the way, in a few weeks, because when we deal with the mountain of God, we're going to deal with the mountain of influence. Can you imagine how many of those people right now are just gallivanting outside? Can you imagine how many of them right now are in bars? drinking. Can you imagine how many people are on the roadside prostituting who God has a plan for? Plans to, plans to prosper them and not to harm them. Plans to give them a hope and a future. Do you know that for a soul to be saved, here's what you must understand. Why it's spiritual? Is do you know that Satan attacks the eyesight, the spiritual eyes of people. That's why people are not getting saved because Satan attacks their spiritual eyes. The Bible says that the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers. Blind so that they should not see the gospel. I remember when I was about, I don't know, 13, a year before I gave my life to the Lord, there's this preacher who stopped us in the road. My goodness, we laughed at him. I found it so funny. Like, why would you stop us? To say what? Did I think I was going to go to heaven? Somehow, I just thought I would make it. Like, I would find a way to make it. I don't know if you're getting my point. If you're listening to me right now, by the way, and you're not saved, you need to give your life to the Lord. There's no two ways about it. I had this notion that I would find myself saved some, you know, like maybe after you've played all your life, then maybe the last few seconds you realize, okay, I'm about to die. Lord Jesus. The Bible says the God of this world blinds the minds of unbelievers. If there's a person in this place and you've been hardening your heart towards God, you need to loosen up. How many of you remember that day your eyes opened? How do you remember it? Where for a while you could have been in church circles for a long time, but there was that day. Do you really think it's because that sermon was more powerful than the previous one? Something popped. Something happened. Your eyes were open. Now how many of you look back and you're like, what? That's the life I used to live. That's why you never have to backslide again. Because backsliding is like going to eat your vomit. 
Like, can you imagine there are so many people right now who we can get this message into? But we have to intercede for them. We have to pray for them. We have to have a burden to literally intercede for them. It should bother you. It should. By the way, after you pray, you have to do something about it. Um, how many of you here were at Onza during my days? Like, I've preached to you before at Onza. I still remember those days. Hallelujah. There are some people who would call every Friday. Pretending we just want to greet them. Can't you say warning? We are waiting for Christ to be formed in them. For Christ to be formed in a person, it takes a lot of prayer. It takes a lot of labor. You have to give birth to people. The Apostle Paul says he gave birth to an Onesimus well in chains. How long have you been a believer? Someone shouted. Let me hear. How long have you been born again? How many people have you birthed? Through preaching of the word and through prayer. How many times have you invited someone, they've come once and that's it, you don't pray for them? That's why your prayer time is very short. If all you do is pray for yourself, your prayer life becomes boring. Why you birth it? You, You have to we can't be comfortable where we're at. We've not been given a limit to the number of souls. But if we go by the primary definition of a church, what's the primary definition of a church? Where two or three are gathered, right? And we know that we have at least, like to the minimum, one million souls. To the, that's the minimum. That's if, if we're like just to hit the cutoff point, a million. From the time this encounter happened, a few peculiar things have been happening. I received a call this week. Uh, it's interesting. It's something I may not take, probably. But just the thought of it. I, I received a call from a very, very uh, big organization in another country. We checked their website. They, their clients are the likes of multi-choice Zanzi Magic and all those. They're, they're a secular company. They, they deal with production. I'm seeing the quotes from, it, from another country. I'm like, okay, what's going on? So I answered, hello. I'm thinking, are we here? Uh, maybe a prayer request. Maybe it's Kenya or someone I pray for in South Africa. And I've been told, hello, is this the post of Frederick? So you got the name. <laughs> and we continue conversating and they introduce themselves company they're from and they begin to tell me how they are, my works, they've been following my work, they're very interested in uh, 
a certain program for pastors and they're extremely interested in me. And I was like, okay, so the influence is spreading. I received the message yesterday and I'm talking to the person and you know, I'm, I'm wondering where is this conversation going? I looked, the person looked a bit foreign, but I, I, I didn't, it was on my page. And I'm asked, you're from Zambia? I said, yes. And they begin to give me a few prayer requests and the like, and I checked where they're from. And their, their profile said they were from Italy. So I thought, ah, you know these things Zambians do. <laughs> Some of you at Harvard University were just waiting to see <laughs> your graduation photos. And I checked. And then they tell me, actually, and then they begin to introduce themselves. And this is a former football player who was playing for Napoli in the Italian league and is now a coach. I, I couldn't really believe them. So they asked me to Google them. Hey, I was shocked. They're on Wikipedia. <laughs> like even see their owners, the trophies they won, the goals they scored. I'm like, how on earth did you find me? And I told you about the other time I received a message from Nepal. I received a message from Nepal. And the person said, hi. I saw one of your miracle videos. That's why we post them and we publish them. You know, I get a lot of funny comments from other people saying, no, you guys stage these things. And I just keep receiving the blessing. I think we've got so much money to pay that many people. I said, thank you that you see me that wealthy. Hallelujah. I receive it. And but then the kind of people it's, it's touching. And the person sends me a message saying, I saw your miracle video. And I asked them, are you a Christian? Like, we, we began to talk about religion, and they told me uh, they were Buddhist or Hindu, I don't remember. And I began to explain the gospel of salvation. And I explained it, and I'll never forget. You saw, I think the person sent a video on my birthday, not so. And I saw the message. I'll never forget those words. The person doesn't speak much English, but they sent a voice note. Lord Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. And over that. And he told me, Jesus is now my religion. And it was peculiar. I had to really introduce myself as a brother because um, the way the culture is outside, when they find somebody supernatural, they can make you their God. And the person is learning English, is doing English in college. So what do you think is going to interpret when we go there? I'm telling you, the world needs this message. The world is looking for hope in everything. There are some people who have put all their heart, trust, and money in football. How they'll be for the rest of the year is determined on how well their football team does. Isn't that a little hopeless considering how football teams <laughs> know how to perform every now and then? Some more than others. Hallelujah. <laughs> Especially in a world like today where you may think your team has won and then VAR comes in after you have celebrated and reconciled with those you made enemies with. Hallelujah. <laughs> God is good. <laughs> Some of those guys just need deliverance. You can find its powers from the father's side which caused the guy's hand to just touch the ball. 
<laughs> okay. What am I trying to say? The world needs this message. Now, where does the biblical part come in? I've told you how the Lord gathers all his people who are scattered abroad. Amen? Mark 13, verse 27, tells us what will happen in the end days. At the end, the final harvest, it says, he will send his angels and gather together his elect from the four winds, from the farthest part of the earth to the farthest part of heaven. There are angels whose assignment is simply to gather. How do you explain with East Park, Mandahill, and the kids? You add in Levy Junction, Cosmopolitan. What, what's the other one? Sorry? North End? Okay. Those are the ones I've been to. Garden City and all those things. And someone can decide to spend their whole Saturday at your meeting. That's supernatural. That cannot be a fluke. We do our part. We do the physical part. But I'm telling you, that's very supernatural. Someone will say, no, it's because you've got a lot of flies. It can't. It, it can't just, you, you think it's flyers. If it was flyers, all those driving schools would have people. How have you received 62 flyers from the driving schools? You've never even looked at any of them. It's very spiritual. But now I'm, in, I'm, I'm encouraging you to be a church that actually prays for souls. So when was the last time you took your time to say, Father, I pray for everyone in the ministry. I pray, Lord, may none of us fall. May none be shaken. Lord, may none backslide. Preserve them from the spirit of the world. Jesus prayed for Peter that his faith may not fail. Lord, may no one's faith fail. Then afterwards, you take time to pray. Now, Lord, there are those who've been planning, one day I'll go there, one day I'll save. May that day be today. Lord, may they not harden their hearts. I rebuke in Jesus' name. Those things that blind their minds. I rebuke it in the name of Jesus. Satan, I confront you. Let God's people go. Imagine you're doing that every day. How are we? When you're praying to God for souls, there is a revelation you have to approach him with. This is a revelation you approach him with. Luke 10 verse 2. The Bible says, uh-huh. And he said to them, the harvest is truly great, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest. You, remember we're dealing with when you approach God by name. There's a place you approach him as El Shaddai. There's a place you, when it's time for war, you approach him as El Gibor. When you want souls, the Lord of the harvest. The Lord of the harvest. And remember, the revelation you have of God as you pray determines your manifestation. So imagine you go there. Father, I acknowledge you as the Lord of the harvest. And instead of saying, and, and, and you know, you keep contradicting your prayers. After you have prayed that, you're just saying, ha, ah, this generation is lost. This generation is wicked. There is no good in this generation. How do you expect to win souls like that? This generation. And that's why you notice usually Usually, when the gospel matures, notice usually there is a big gap between the adults and the young. 
Reason being, most people fail to transmit this to the very next generation. So what happens is God has to start raising people now from the third generation, and then the people in the second generation now will fight the people in the third one. Usually, most people who you see as the big fathers and the like, most of them got saved when they were younger. And then you find usually there's a gap. There's, there's a season of a gap where the church becomes comfortable. And where the young generation is completely criticized. Everything they do is wrong. I was so excited when I saw those, uh, the young ones were coming to do those, <laughs> those dances. I said, people, God, nowadays to dance, you have to be physically fit. I don't know what, what they do, something like this or something like that. But there's, there's that. One day I'll show you. <laughs> and you know what? Someone may say, Pastor, it's very orderly. <sighs> Why do you want them to go dance now? Hallelujah. <laughs> Let them dance. Let the young ones dance. Hallelujah. As in, if you criticize everything about them, if somebody gets saved through a Christian rap song, and all they do is hear you talk against rap music, what if that's what they listen to? What's the problem with that? Who says slower music is more holy? Don't you know even Dracula movies were in the same slow music we listen to? Ah, you, you know Dracula, those horror movies. They would have the same tone. Oh, to the pure and hard, all things are holy. Man, please write those same rap songs. Which song was done last time? We dominate. We elevate. When you talk about the faith, we can relate. Something like that, right? them. No, write them. Honestly, do. Write them. There was, which other one was there? That I'm in love with my godo. I'm telling you, if you were to see the influence that the rap artists have, I would stop fighting them. Instead, if you notice an error, you try to help them. They are reaching people that there are some people who can never listen to you because they, they think all pastors are thieves, but they can listen to a musician who can sing your sermons. So let, that's why there's usually a gap because sometimes we, we really fight what we want. You're praying, Lord, we want the teens. The teens come, if they're acting a little teenager, you want them to all act like mature adults and put on suits. Let the kids be kids. Let them just be kids in Christ. Otherwise, we'll become like the disciples who are denying those kids to come to Jesus. You think Jesus, like, it's judgment day. You, you are not entering heaven because you are listening to gospel rap music. Wow! <laughs> That's very shallow in our thinking. Hallelujah. I will have them. As the, guy is, as the guy is rapping, hey, Shani, we dominate. 
Someone just said, wait, I'm jumping. But I was on crutches. Hey, I'm ju-. That's what we want. <laughs> but by all means, I'm telling you, by all means possible. Anyways, you will see when we go into the seven mountains of influence. Because there are also movies that we need to write. You would be shocked. Do you know that? <laughs> How many of you know the people who do my books? Which one was my fastest selling book? It's the faithful man. And yet, it's the one which I wrote very differently because I wrote it more as a storyteller. We had cases. Um, you know what Natasha usually does? Right? She's not here today. She's in, I think, Congo Brazzaville. Now, what she usually does is that when she goes to these places, she carries my books. And then you know what she does? You find she'll advertise them. There was a time, I think, uh, came back with like, I don't know how many hundred uh, dollars. I praise God. It, was, it came at the right time. It was an answered prayer for me. Hallelujah. And she, the dollar had gone up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she sold all those books on the plane. And guess the book they were most interested in? The Faithful Man. Even at the UN, people were buying The Faithful Man. So who do think will write in a very pastoral way, will also write in a very storytelling way, will do things differently, will win as many as we can. But let's not stop praying. I was talking on Wednesday about your prayer life. How good is your prayer life? Do you pray for souls? Hey, will I finish today? Should I go on? So it says, pray to the Lord of the harvest. You have to have a revelation of God as the God of the harvest. The God who can start a church with 120. And after one sermon, there are 3,120. That's what we call the Lord of the harvest. And it's interesting. In case you think we've grown. Imagine. Those guys came to announce that this is when we're now starting the Lord of the Harvest. This is when we're now starting. Don't you find that peculiar? This is when we're starting. The second message. touched me the most. It came as a very big introspection to myself as a person. Very big introspection. I had to go before God, check my mind, check my heart, see where I needed to grow up. The second one came to me Began to explain that we're about to experience an increase in the gifts of the Spirit. Okay? We're about to experience an increase. How many of you are pledging with me that you'll be praying at least one hour a day? Raise your hand. If you don't raise your hand, by the way, I'm going to raise it up for you. How many of you are going to be praying one hour a day? Can you all raise your hand? It's a trick question. One hour a day. Not just on Thursday during the day for the prayer chain. Then double pimpilla. Say, I will be praying a minimum of one hour a day on a busy day. 
So help me God. Yeah. So on a free day, Kashtoko improve. Somebody say glory. So I was being told about the increase in the gifts of the Spirit. Now, the manifestation of the Spirit according to 1 Corinthians 12, it's something we'll touch on as we're dealing with the mountain of God. Word of knowledge, word of wisdom, uh, discernment of spirits. We have the gift of prophecy, speaking in diverse tongues, interpretation of tongues. We have special faith. We have working of miracles. And we have the gifts of healings. Why I'm pluralizing is because in the Greek it's pluralized. They are different ones. That's why you find sometimes somebody finds ulcers easier than blind eyes. So you can grow in them. There was a time for me the biggest issue was blind eyes. I never used to see blind eyes open. You know what I did? I went to listen to a sermon by someone who was seeing blind eyes opening. And went to try it. Then it wasn't working. I remember it was at a conference. So I was trying it privately, it wasn't working. Then now, there's, there, for me, there's like a certain screw that was removed from my mind. I don't know who removed it. Guess what I did when it wasn't working? I stood up and said, everyone, pay attention to what's going to happen now. And then Brother Brent says, Fred, 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 Fred. They already know you're anointed. It's not about me. Fred, 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 Fred. You're about to ruin your reputation. Say, See, and how do you remember that? That was 2016. <laughs> I mean, that's something that, there's something that, it's just a way. You need to be praying for me. <laughs> Who remembers the first time we saw deaf and dumb? How many remember that? We saw deaf and dumb and when? Do you know what was going on there? I was praying for him in private. Nothing was happening. You're checking the guy. And for that matter, there are speakers all over. I just said, okay, Lord, if you called me, you called me. Bring him to the front. Everyone, watch. Brother Brain, Fred, 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 Fred. You were Fred. It was a catinated one day. <laughs> and then Sister Hart starts singing, Langeniavaka Not really out of faith. And then it changes the second verse. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> if you know, at the conference being attended by sons, um, other people, and one or two haters. Hallelujah. <laughs> ah. You look behind, the praise team is not praying for the person, they're praying for you. <laughs> Father, don't embarrass our pastor. <laughs> ah! <laughs> I remember I got the guy, Jesus! Next thing I see, tell her, hey, hey, come on now, eh? Brother Brent, where are you? What's interesting is, um, if you, after that, I was actually invited to their house as well parent to go and minister to them. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Hallelujah. <laughs> what am I even talking about right now? The gifts of the Spirit. It's one of the things we'll touch on. 
the workings of miracles. The I read a testimony. Mary, where's Mary? I saw your testimony. Come, come, please. You know, I've never heard that testimony before. I just want to give you an example of some of the things you will be doing. I've never heard it before. I read it on Facebook, though. Something about burns, right? What happened? Um, in 2015, uh-huh. I got burnt with hot water on my left arm. Uh-huh. So my entire arm was actually burnt and uh-huh. the skin actually peeled off. The skin peeled off. Then what happened? And I actually was depressed for some time. And then uh, I saw a post about the WEM conference. And uh-huh. I decided in my heart that, okay, I'm going and I will get healed there. Uh-huh. Then I went for the conference. And towards the end of the conference, actually, that's when they were calling out for creative miracles. And I went up front because yeah. I really wanted it. I really wanted to watch my skin turn back to normal. Yeah. Then what happened? And then it, I watched it. It was pink because the skin peeled off. And I was watching it turn brown in front. Hey. Okay. You can take a seat. <laughs> wow. Let me hear one I don't get tired of hearing. Salia, I want to hear yours. Come. Do you remember it? Come, 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 come. Why are you looking at me? Why not when I'm Salia, let me hear the one about your mom. That's okay. You're shy. Salia, you're a lawyer. You can't be shy. I just want to tell you what you're doing. Yes. Start from what happened to her thing. Okay, so um, my mom had a swelling on the left side of her neck. Yeah. And um, she was diagnosed with cancer. Uh-huh. So um, one day, um, after Safred prayed for her and after the oh, doctors Safred and everything, uh-huh. yes, um, <laughs> Apostle. <laughs> so then uh, we were at home and I was sleeping on the bed with her. Uh-huh. So um, I wasn't really close to her on the bed. But then she just woke up and started shouting at me. For, How big was the thing? It was really big. Like, like this big. She couldn't even stand straight or use her left hand. So she just woke up and started shouting at me and almost crying. Like, why are you touching me? We need to do a movie about that. So I was shocked. Like, I didn't, I didn't do that, you know, trying to explain myself. And then before I knew it, she went back to sleep. And then um, the next, that was like on a Friday. From Friday, guys, the thing started going down. It started going down. On Sunday, it was completely gone. Can you imagine? Anyway, that one, that takes the anointing. Now, what the Lord was emphasizing is you'll be able to do that. Imagine, look, it's, it's one thing 
if I go over there and pray for now, imagine she's walking and then the hospitality have got like this poster that says, turn off your phones. And the person reads the turn off your phone. The anointing <laughs> moves from the hands of the hospitality member to the turn off your phone thing. Boom! On the floor. Before we know it, the thing has disappeared. I'm in front asking anyone who's come here for prayer. Ah, actually, sir, I came for prayer, but uh, unfortunately, <laughs> for today, you're the MC because all you're going to have to do is be calling out what happened to you, what happened to you, what happened to you. Then I will start the secret for that. Now, 1 Corinthians 12 shows you the gifts of the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 14 shows you order. 1 Corinthians 12 shows you the gifts. 1 Corinthians 14 shows you order. The secret to having both 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 Corinthians 14 is 1 Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians 13 is the, it's like a sandwich. So there's the gifts, there's order. What holds them both together? Love. Love. Because if you have order, but you don't have love, you overdue with people, even when you should be compassionate. And so, an explanation began to be given, saying, as long as you grow in the area of agape, now we're using a Greek word again, eh? Give me 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1. This one moved me. 13, verse 1. Uh-huh. You know it. Though I speak in tongues of men and of angels, but have no love, I have become a sounding brass or a clanging symbol. Now, for, for you to really understand the message that was coming from this one, you're going to have to understand that word agape. The word for love in the Greek, there are several words. One of them is a word called eros. That's where you get uh, words like erotic. Do you know what that love does? It loves you because of something you have that it wants. There is something about you that satisfies it. That's why it loves you. So, and this is the love that now has hit the Western world and even our world. Now, not to say that bodily attraction is not important, but if what a man primarily loves about a woman is the shape of her body, as she starts growing older, she will have to work extremely for the man to continue loving her. <laughs> I know she will have to work that. Otherwise, she will be replaced by a schoolgirl. If what someone loves about someone is the fact that the person has money, then they'll have to work extremely hard to maintain that person's love because when the money goes, the love has finished. That's the love that the world is teaching now. It's, you have something I want, so I, I, I love you. And you know, sometimes we, we, we preach this to an extent there's an error we create. We tell people, when you're at school, 
should only have three kinds of friends. And it's always have friends who are better than you in math so they can be teaching you. No one is ever told, find someone you can be teaching. Where is that person who in their class look at that person who everyone looks down upon, everyone sees as a slow learner. They've even labeled that person down and you are always passing that subject and you will spare 30 minutes of your time to say, come, I think there's just one or two things you don't understand and you teach them that thing and they pass as well. And you don't go about boasting about it. <laughs> but where is that person who maybe uh, we've got some kids here. Maybe you go to school with a little bit more money than others. And you've seen that person who the best thing the parents can give them is school. It ends there. Maybe you've got an extra book. Maybe you can reduce from buying three mahels for your breakfast to two and we can have one. That's the kind of love we need to start teaching because we're training people to only love people who can give them stuff. The day you grow up in the faith is when you realize that there are people who will give you more than you can give them. But at the same time, there are people who you are going to help who cannot do anything for you. Then you are growing. So it's eros. And one day we'll look at it in total because there are other forms, there are other words used for love. But particularly in this scripture, the word used is agape. Now, what's agape? Agape is that love. It's in the Greek, it's the highest form of love. It describes the love that a man has for God and then the love that that man has for people which is stemming from his love for God. It's not a conditional love. It's a love that gives and keeps on giving. Now, why it di- why there's another type of love which is important. I think it's phenos. Okay, I've written the Greek word somewhere. But it's the kind of love that you have like for your family and the like. But it's one thing to treat your sister a certain way. It's another thing to treat a stranger that way. It's one thing to protect the interest of your brother. It's another thing to protect the interest of a stranger. A love that gives and keeps on giving. And this is something we have to grow into. Imagine why you sit down, you've come to church, you've sat down, and like I have taught you in the training meeting, you're not just always seated with that person who's your friend. Uh-uh. You come and say, ah, you know, my friend, even if I don't sit next to her, she will survive. She'll be fine. Our friendship will do just fine. Buy a drink after church. But instead you look and say, is there anyone here who perhaps is lonely? Then you, you spot someone who maybe it's their first time coming. Maybe they just stepped in and you decide that's the person you'll sit next to. You sit next to them, you notice that when we say go to the book of Hebrews, blank, no idea. No, you don't laugh. You tell them, let me help you find it. What's your name? Okay, you continue. As you're seated in your heart, you pray, Father, in Jesus' name, touch this person. Lord, let this be their service. If they're not saved, I pray, may today be the day they get born again. Lord, if they're, if they're sick, reveal a, you can reveal it to our pastor. You can also reveal it to me. Reveal something to me about their life. 
Then before you know it, maybe you see a vision, the gift, you see? Because faith, which works by love. Before you know it, you see a vision and you see maybe their mother has an issue with the leg and it's troubling her. And you turn, how is your mother? I don't know if it's fine. I don't know. Could there be perhaps somebody who has an issue with the leg in the family? Oh no, it's my mother. It's okay. And then before you know it, it has evoked another gift. Do you mind if I, if I come visit any, any day after church? I can come. I'll follow you. No, but my place is, so I don't worry about the transport. How pay? How do you think the gifts will grow when you start thinking like that? Well, when you have money, when you have, you're not just thinking of your own things. You also think of somebody else. Listen, biblically, the purpose of money, the Bible says God is able to make all grace sufficient. So at, at all times, you may be able to meet all your needs and also be generous to others. Where there are people who wouldn't be where they are today because of your giving and you'll never boast about it. You'll never talk about it. And you're not expecting anything in return. It's a love that can love people who see themselves as worthless. And I'll tell you this, in this dispensation, take this from me as a pastor. I, some of you work with me in the office. Some of you work with me in the office, eh? Mary, you recently say you're working with me in the office, not so. Some of you work with me in the office. There are times I'll be at, like on Tuesday, I was in the office till what time? 16, 17, somewhere there. I didn't even have a lunch break, did I? Because I was seeing people the whole time. Some of you may think the whole day I'm dealing with healing cases. No. The majority of things people are experiencing in this day and age are matters of the heart, which can only be cured. By agape. In short, being at a place where you can love someone who feels they're not worth being loved. You can call someone who feels they're not worth being called. Love, of course, does not mean that you are gullible. Because love is bigger than liking. Love will correct. Love will pray for someone. Love would it's one thing to Maybe let's say someone has completely decided, oh, I want nothing to do with the faith, they're avoiding you. But that doesn't mean you should avoid them in your prayers. Someone may be a bad influence on you right now, and maybe you're struggling. And if surely someone is being that I, you can avoid them, but you can pray for them. Sometimes I've learned it a hard way. Even you have learned it a hard way. What I've had to learn the hard way is when... Um, I've, learned, I've had to learn the hard way sometimes when I've had believers wrong me. And then you have to first remind yourself that God has not reduced how much he loves them because you like them less. Meaning how much you like or don't like someone does not reduce God's love for them. And then how I usually deal with it that interceding for that person. Because it means that from that point, my love for someone is flowing not from my soul, but it's flowing directly from my spirit man. Because by nature, because you're a spirit man, the day you got born again, agape was put in you. 
you have in you. Listen, you, you, it's impossible for you to just not like someone. Now, I don't like someone just because I just don't like them. But never speak such kind of words again. I just naturally dislike that. You can't naturally dislike. You, you have to be the type who even have to warn you. I know that one avoid. Because for you, you just naturally love everyone. You think everyone is lovable. You think, you think the best of everyone. And you know what love does? The Bible says love never gives up. You should read 1 Corinthians 13. And it's willing to think the best out of everyone. That's why it's only when there's true love that there's discernment. Because you might easily trust everyone. So God will show you know there there's something wrong. Avoid. Because true love is willing to believe the best out of everyone. You know what? You're better off. Your issue is you're willing to believe the best out of everyone than your issue is you immediately believe the worst out of everyone. Otherwise, there's no point of doing this thing. That's how true love works. How you begin to believe, had I had an opportunity to preach the gospel to Osama when he was younger, things would have been different. That's how love works. Jesus was, believing, was ready to believe the best out of Peter. So it's a love that loves unconditionally. And it loves people who see themselves as worthless. And that's, I can tell you, the biggest issues we're dealing with now is how people see themselves. Sometimes the reason why the teenagers rebel is because they don't see themselves as valuable. Well, okay, everyone thinks I'm some dumb kid, so let me do some dumb things. And it's unfortunate that Eros has contaminated us so much that it would even be peculiar for me to say, tend to, tend to your neighbor and say, I love you. It would be strange. I would have to say, tend to your female neighbor if you're female and say, I love you. Tend to your male neighbor if you're male. That's what I would have to say. Because of how, every, because of how people have lost that purity of heart. Like, gentlemen, it's okay to genuinely think someone is just a wonderful, good person. You don't have to date them all. Like, it's, it's, it's okay. Like, like someone can just be a good person who you hold in high regard. Imagine, I don't know how the church culture was, but the culture that time was such that Paul could even say, greet everyone with a holy kiss. And you know that we come from, the Zambian culture is not naturally expressive. That's why you notice, let me tell you something, in Africa it's easy to teach the fear of the Lord. They've already had an example in their households. No, they know what it's like. <laughs> Some of you are just pretending you had a nickname for your father. <laughs> There's even a code name. When you hear the get, someone has to go peep. That's when you know whether you can continue watching TV or not. And then the code name, someone will say, the master has come in your rooms. Worse off if it's the day of receiving your report card. You have to be on your best behavior. Hallelujah. Huh? How of you are subdued by your parents? Subdued. <laughs> you are not disciplined. You are subdued. <laughs> so when we say, fear God. Yay! <laughs> but you will notice that in this part of the world, 
teaching that intimate relationship with God, sometimes people struggle a little. And one of the reasons also is because uh, a good percentage of the fathers of this generation have failed. I'm starting to think maybe, just maybe, maybe, it's because when it comes to that period of marriage, the man is seen as though he didn't need any lessons. So the wife is taught how to be submissive. But never in the Bible have I seen wives addressed and husbands are not. Never in the Bible have I seen wives addressed and husbands are not. The wife will be taught to be submissive. Then you remember Peter tells the husbands, love them and treat them with understanding. Not the word understanding. Peter knew that every now and then, understand. Hallelujah. And the women said, <laughs> Hallelujah. I understand. Yeah. And it's interesting. Even with leadership, by the way, you can apply that principle. As a leader, you should make more of an effort to understand your subordinates because they may not always understand you. So try to see where they're coming from. They may not always be coming from the wrong place. But it's interesting. And so there's been a huge, the, one of the biggest diseases that has been suffered in this generation is backfathering. I don't say this to disrespect anyone. Sometimes we just have to be honest with ourselves. We can be honest with ourselves without disrespecting anyone. Many people have not been natured. They've not been fathered. They've been provided for. People have grown up learning how to see unfaithfulness. Does it shock you that most of them will go and marry same type of person they hated? Because people very easily become what they hate. There are things kids have seen which they shouldn't have seen. So don't be that it shouldn't shock you that the teenage generation has been in a certain way. And the only thing that can cure them is if we show them genuine agape. They need to experience a gap from us because we are the visual perception to them of the agape from God. <laughs> I've had to minister to different people, males, females. I've had a few. There was a time I was at Unza and somebody who came for fellowship and I would notice anyone who's new and I asked to see them and I was explaining the gospel to them. I think uh, I asked to meet them. And as I'm explaining the gospel to them, they stopped me in the middle. Um, I just wanted to tell you something. I'm like, yes. And they showed me a photo. You see that? That's my child. I go, okay. Looks good. And I continued explaining the gospel. After some time, the person one day said, do you remember that time when I showed my child? Like, yeah. What was the point of that? I was trying to And they begin to explain. Every time I went for a fellowship at Onza, one of the brothers, usually the chairperson, would greet me afterwards. Then they'll ask to see me to start with sharing the word. By the next week, the, sh the story has changed. 
I thought it was the same pattern. I was surprised that you stayed consistent. All you wanted was genuinely to get somebody saved. Brothers, if there's been an issue in that area for a while, preach to the men, grow your fruit of love. But if you're not going to be like the young pastor, Timothy, Timothy was a young pastor, and Paul writes to him and he tells them, treat fathers as fathers, uh, mothers as mothers, sisters with all purity. If you're going to preach the gospel and you're a young man, be ready to see wonderful, beautiful ladies as sisters with all purity. Of course, you are permitted to take a believing sister. They didn't say believing sisters. They didn't say sample the options. They didn't say sample first. <laughs> eh? Find when we're announcing you, half the church is celebrating. From those half who are celebrating, half are saying, finally, we can rest. The other half are saying, are genuinely celebrating. Then the other half who are quiet. You know how ladies are? In case you didn't know, ladies form cliques. You tell one lady you're interested, be rest assured, at least five no. <laughs> Listen, the Bible says understand. And they're saying at least five no. And then you decide. <laughs> and so you find those five are loyal. Hallelujah. <laughs> I saw a funny photo. <laughs> that was... <laughs> Some of you, the problem in your relationship is not you. The problem comes from the other four. <laughs> they are the ones who contribute. And by the way, those have got the right to give their opinion. <laughs> what? That's all he bought you. Aaron, is you, you were satisfied with it. That's all he can buy you. My brother, and, and they are very good investigators. My brother is working at the same place he's working. And as a matter of fact, their salaries were increased two months ago. So they shall, 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 shall. <laughs> So, and this is all he can buy. <laughs> Kwasila, that's why he bought you. Before you know it, you receive a text. Hey, you don't even love me. Where is this coming from? No. Oh. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> what am I trying to say? So, you find. At the same time, you thinking you're smart. You've also checked up someone else usher in department. And someone else this side. Someone else this side. Can't she? There's a mutual friend who shared in confidence to someone who shared in confidence <laughs> to somebody else who shared in confidence. <laughs> Before you know it, when we're announcing you, <laughs> half are just getting <laughs> Yeah, how we'll pray for you. The sister is just shocked. Everyone is coming. No, we are praying for you. <laughs> what am I trying to say? And then afterwards, when people don't listen to you, praying, ah, you know, the problem, people just persecute. The Lord is fighting my battle. My friend, that's persecution. That's prosecution. You must, listen, if you're going to grow up in the faith, you must be able to differentiate between persecution and consequences of foolishness. Some things are just a consequence of your actions. Hallelujah. Hey, hey, this someone has a testimony. <laughs> huh? Find someone is saying, I can testify. As a matter of fact, 
Today I'm even giving a bigger offering. That, that's my sermon. <laughs> what am I trying to say? Agape. It's genuine, pure love. And what the Lord is saying to us is if we can grow in it and practice it, the gifts will become abundant. It's love that considers others. It loves that gives and keeps giving. As in, you leave house number 20. Somebody else from your church leaves house number 16. You come driving alone and go back alone. When we ask you, they've never asked. Have you ever offered? Sometimes when driving, you even see them and wave. At Wanji. That love. It's a love that doesn't compete. Some of you, maybe you share a special relationship with me. It's a love that doesn't compete. You don't mind somebody else experiencing the same love you've experienced. You want everyone else to experience what you've experienced. It's that kind of love. That love will drive you to your knees. Turn to someone. If you're a lady, turn to a lady. If you're a man, find a man. And just say, I love you. Hallelujah. Ruth told Naomi. Ruth told Naomi, where you go, I'll go. Your people will be my people. My friend is God is your God. His people should be your people. Hallelujah. Tell, tell God, say, Lord, whom you love, I'll love. And this love is eternal. <laughs> and so, Huh? This is how long I've taken today. Can you give me five minutes to finish? Can you tell I've preached longer than usual? Anyway, the poster says 11.30 in China. <laughs> the third one. Introduce themselves. Oh, by the way, this, the, the other one who was speaking to me about love told me there must be a very huge love even for the ministry. Otherwise, you'll be too busy to serve. What do you think can make a mother who has a very busy job still spend time with her children. Somehow, she doesn't always want the maid to be the one to change the diaper. She wants to do it. Love. When Jesus wanted to install somebody as the senior apostle, 
He goes to Peter and said, Peter, do you agape me? And he says, feed my sheep. Do you agape me? Tend my flock. Do you agape me? And actually, you know what's interesting? It seemed measurable because he was asking Peter, saying, do you agape me more than these? I'm not saying, listen, if you're going to compete, if there's a competition, we'll allow. Compete over who loves God and people more. Huh? Imagine, healthy competition, you and your wife, who loves the other one more? No. <laughs> That's a nice one, don't you think so? Why you're competing, who will pray for the other one more than the other? Who will be taking time to intercede for their brother more than the other? Because this love is eternal. The final one, there were four but three spoke. The final one begins to speak to me and says, I'm responsible for the incense aspect of your services. Someone may be wondering, is this scriptural? Revelations 8 verse 3. All the saints and angels in G-sharp. Then another angel having a golden censer came and stood at the altar and he was given much incense so that he should offer it with the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar which was before the throne. Next verse. And the smoke of the incense with prayers of the saints ascended before God from the angel's hand. So do you see that biblically the angel is responsible for the incense reaching? Wait, is somebody lost? You know what incense is? To smoke. By the way, that shows you something. That means sometimes, listen, if you've ever done this before, repent, eh? repent today. If anyone has ever thought, ha, we over worship. Ha, another song. See Sila, we want to hear the sermon. Repent. Can you imagine it's actually a very procedural thing in heaven? Like, can you imagine they're actually angelic beings? Oh, they're having Sunday service. Go and collect the incense of their prayers. Ha! And you know that the priest is the one responsible for ensuring that the, altar, the fire on the altar never stops burning. How violent is the smoke from your house? Tell me, how violent is it? Jesus seemed a little disappointed with the disciples. He came and said, you couldn't even pray one hour. You know, some people say, it's not about how, how, how much time you spend. It's about loving God. And Jesus says, you couldn't even spend one hour. In short, there is a place where value will be measured by time. Because time is the only thing that you can buy. Time has no substitute. If I'm to spend five minutes with you, I'll never get it back. Time has no substitute. Do you know how many people would have loved to buy time? Have you ever heard of Rockefeller? One of the, I think people, some people believe he's the richest man after Solomon. He's never had a Galaxy Tab E. 
which I have. The car I drive is probably better than his, than the one he drove. He drove, those days I don't call them cars, they called them automobile. So probably, the car I drive is better than his, but guess what? He had more money, except he was in the wrong time for these things. But you know how God loves Boston, eh? Busy writing the Ten Commandments for Moses on a tab. Did you notice God was writing the Ten Commandments, all of them on a tab? The Bible says he wrote with his finger on a tablet, on a stone. God was like, ah, let me just get some invention from the future. Let me show you. <laughs> Haven't you seen a vision where he was on the wings of angels? Like, ah, let's just show you that there'll be a few planes in the future. So that in the future, people should not think they were the first ones to think of this. Years ago, he tells them the book of Revelations, the book of life. Haven't you seen that's a serious computer database? Anyways. Yeah, hold on. So the smoke of the incense. So in short, heaven does measure whether the incense is producing smoke or not. Heaven, it measures, it measures, it measures. What sense does it make? Anything that you value, you give time to. What sense does it make to spend all life giving time to social media but you can't turn off the data for an hour pray ah come on somebody needs to repent do you know that that's why god is angry when christians are being immoral because your body is a temple can you imagine how many things we some of those people who you make up fun of, hey, my brother, in heaven, that's the person they admire. This is the guy who's always producing smoke. My friend, are you on fire? Hey, smoke only comes out when the water is hot, not when it's low. In other countries, they would have clapped after that point. I, I keep seeing, I know that it's a vision from the Lord or from my head. But I keep seeing all of you in smoke. I've seen it in the physical before. In the year 2009, that's, in the year 2009, there's something that happened. We went, there was a, there was a camp, and so I decided to join the intercessors. And now, I was just really a curious person. So I wanted to see how they pray. Then I realized it was going to be difficult because the intercession leader said, uh, we're just going to spend an hour or two praying in tongues. Now my tongues by then only had two syllables. And I didn't even believe they were very real. I just used to go with them. Go with them. Flow. So now I thought these guys will notice that me in... <laughs> guys, we have a two syllables. Just don't, don't, don't. I don't remember what they were. But you know what I'm talking about. Like... <laughs> And then to make sure no one sleeps, they decided, let me have the arts guys. Just to make sure no one four. Four arts guys. Run. Wow. That's like five. Now you're three. Someone got discouraged. 
More blessing. Stood up. You know, I was in, I was in Zim, eh? and guess one of the people who came to see me, a person called More Blessing. I was like, I know him, More Blessing. I said, Bossing. I need to More Blessing. You can hold her like this. I'm just giving you a literal example. So these guys are art, so they can act in your own with the grace. So they were told to be praying like this and then be walking around. That's all we were told to be praying. <laughs> there was no room to sleep. Some <laughs> of you have never been to serious Pentecostal over. Where you've heard a powerful sermon, then zero one, the preacher leaves. Then now you hand over to brother. The intercessor. And the first thing you say is, Oh, Sadim Pando, manje, Oh, Sadim Pando. Lelo That's how we laid down to pray. You start praying five minutes later. You think like it's been two, three hours. You check the clock, 0105. You don't have a car to go sleep in. There is nowhere to run to. Then you're waiting for them to say, let's just worship the Lord. Lie down prostrate. And just God. I remember one time I went to la- I was I was now planning my move, like how are they going to just to hear Brother Fred come and lead the rest of the prayers? <laughs> and then the energy you rock up shit and then <laughs> When you start noticing that, but don't worry, my final prayer point, I ask for everyone to just worship the Lord <laughs> and lie down. I went behind the speakers. Then I was walking up around 06. I've had a light. <laughs> Hallelujah. So it was, hey, it was that kind of night. Then something happened. Okay, I, I need arts. Like two, three more. Two, three more. Something happened. One of the people, yeah, like, yeah, you hold on to join in the life. Like, so they're going around. I also, okay, guys, today you to finish when I'm done. It's okay, Pastor. Say it with your heart. Okay. And so they start going around. And then here's what happened. One person, Fail inside. Chitenge, please. One person fell inside. Now, me, there I stay complaining. Holy Spirit, how come you don't touch me? Who's ever been there? So I decided that day that come what may, I was going to fall. So I started planning, checking which part of the ground was soft. <laughs> my aim now was to throw myself. Then, only to realize it was a demon manifesting. <laughs> so the demon starts manifesting and crawling like a lion. And almost like roaring. At this point, we all stopped. Now, 
And then the prayer leader says, for now, just don't worry about it. I don't worry about it. And then I had that foolish thought. I used to think as though, and some of you have it, like when a demon manifests, it looks for the weakest person. <laughs> so now, <laughs> I looked at one of my colleagues. So I was thinking it's either me or him. <laughs> one of us today. <laughs> and then now, you know, I, I was like, I was a little cool. I was thinking, me. I said, praying. Now, this, this prayer was not breathed from agape. I prayed, Lord, may he become sleepy so that it should enter him. Then they'll remove it later, but not me. I've got like a reputation to keep. I mean, I'm Frederick. <laughs> then, I'll never forget that. We formed that thing, and then what would happen is that the person would like, 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 like spread out a bit, spread out a bit. The person, it wasn't like those manifestations, like those, it was like, like literally, like a lion. And then the person would run at what, like held hands. Yeah. And then, yeah, 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 that's all. <laughs> that's all. They would run, and then when they would run, they would bounce off. Then the person turned to me. <laughs> and ran. And then when they ran, they hit this shield and fell to the ground. And physical sparks, physical sparks, physical sparks like appear like woof. And then smoke came out from the person and because when they ran at me the only thing i did was speak those two syllables of tongues didn't i follow i broke off from the then all of a sudden all of a sudden this man starts walking towards where we were in an open place there was no fence and he starts walking and walking and walking and walking he was very serious on the face and he had a white robe and he came physically we all saw him we didn't know what to do then he stood when he just looked the thing left then turned around and left that's when we realized it was an angel Some people think, no, Apostle, how is your faith like this? You think it's the Greek words. No, 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 no. When you experience the supernatural, it's difficult to be shaken by physical things. After you've experienced the supernatural, you think you'll stop praying because one day, although it can't be you, because you're not even an example, but they say one day, brother, tomato sauce, got a D. You think they'll stop praying? You guys can take a seat. Now let me let me let me tell you the final part. So I had a few questions for them. There is one question I asked which was answered, but I'll only share at the overnight. Then 
How many of you have read Genesis 28 where Jacob had a dream in verse 12? He had a dream. Let me just read the dream. This is the last part. By the way, at this point, I still didn't know there were angels. He dreamed and oh, the ladder was set upon the earth and its top reached to heaven. And there the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. Verse 17. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. And this is the gate of heaven. Verse 19. And he called the name of that place Bethel. And from that, and but the name of that city had been loosed previously. There are some of you who've always wondered, some of you who've been home and you've noticed. Some of you have noticed there's a poster on my wall, on my door, right? Yeah, there's a poster on my door, written Bethel. I've seen too much there, so I named it that. He called the name of the place Bethel. So now here's the peculiar part. So, like, while all this was happening, I turned and said, because you know I'm very pastorly these days, what church do you go to? And then they laughed and they said, Bethel. Okay, the exact words were, and they spoke at the same time again. We are from the Bethel sanctuary of God. At that point, I realized, oh my God. Then it ended, and I got up. I think my mother is my witness, and a few other people, maybe my sister. I got up, I went around the house. Where are they? Where are they? Where are they? Like, I was just confused. I, I couldn't do anything the whole day. And there are some people who are so blessed. Can you imagine on that day I was even invited somewhere to preach? I, went, I just had to be somewhere where they are praying. It was just like some of you interacted with me a bit on that day. How many of you interacted with me on that day? It was just strange. Strange. Like, I, I didn't know what to do. Like, what do you do? Like, angels. I realized somebody had asked me, saying, how come people don't have those types of income? I think I know why. You would zone out from the world. Everything seemed useless. I was wondering, why do I even watch football? Why do I even have a phone? I was, I was offline the whole day. <laughs> phone for what? Useless. I wanted to throw it away. <laughs> On such days, give someone else your ATM. that like you look at your degree useless you become like Peter you know what, you know what happened with Peter? Peter went at the top of the mountain so Elijah and Moses do you know what Peter decided Peter just said you know what let's just pitch a tent here the guy forgot he had a wife Peter was married you can forget you need to go to work but as we go on with this series one thing I'm going to teach you is how you never have to leave the mountain, but you can approach the world with them because you are Bethel. You are Bethel. You are Bethel. His presence is within you. Some of you are younger, some of you are older. None of you has received the junior one. None of you is a junior temple. 
Oh, his presence is within you. Turn to your neighbor and say, God's glory is within you. His presence is within you. At this point, I'm going to ask something. For the sake of everyone else, ask for every eye closed. I won't say if, because I think I'm sure. There's someone in this place. You are not born again. Let me tell you how you know you're not born again. You can tell because there's never been a day when you made the decision, Jesus is Lord. Some have got a religious way of relating with God, but God is not living in them right now. You can tell by the way you live in your life. You can tell that the things that you're doing, the Bible, those are the things which the Bible warns us, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Some of you may even have been good all your life, but you know you don't have a relationship with Jesus. This is your chance. Could be somebody. You may even have grown up in the faith, but maybe you've backslidden. The Bible says, if any man falls into trespass, those who are spiritual should restore such a one. And I can tell you, you may feel God doesn't care. You may feel God. You may be feeling like God thinks you've done too many things. So maybe there are some things you need to go and correct. But I can tell you, God agapes you. And he sent me here with the agape of God to invite you to his kingdom. No one will look down on you for giving your life to Christ. Because we all needed to do so. So don't feel, as though, don't feel shy. You are the reason to do all this. We've all had our day. And today is your day. So don't harden your heart. If you know it's you, but you're hardening your heart, you're cooperating with Satan who wants to blind your eyes. Don't harden your heart. I ask, if you're such a person, from where you are, raise your hand. Just raise it. I see a hand. I see another. Just raise it. This is your day of salvation. Just raise it. I know there is one or two more. Just raise it. 